And so those six things, they happen on a loop and some days they're better than others. And some days you feel great. And for most of us, a couple of those are really easy. And a couple of those are like, wow, those are tough. And a couple of those are like, Dude, I'm never doing that's impossible. Um, but when you get those things kind of a grasp on those things in some shape, form or fashion, your body doesn't have to sound the alarms 24, seven, 365. And then when you get the call that, Hey, mom's got cancer. Hey, um, husband or wife just lost the job. Um, kids sick. Then you've got this magical thing that we don't have in America and it's called margin, financial margin, time margin, clutter margin. We have space to then respond to the hard realities that is life. And this is a non-anxious life. It's not a perfect life. It's not a stress-free life. It's not a nothing bad ever happens life. It's a life where your body works for you, not against you. Hello and welcome to the Minimalist Moms podcast. Countless people are struggling with anxiety, angst, and stress, or at the very least, they know someone who is. Despite the advancements in safety, communication, and technology, people are lonely, exhausted, and angry. No matter how anxiety shows up, from the slightest headache to a paralyzing panic attack, you want it gone. Well, the reassuring news is that anxiety doesn't have the final say. Today, I am joined by best-selling author, mental health expert, and podcaster, Dr. John Deloney, who will provide practical steps for how to navigate long-term change. If you've been following along in the recent weeks, you'll know that John's book, his podcast, and his social media have been incredibly encouraging to me. So I was thrilled to have the opportunity to chat with him about his new book, Building a Non-Anxious Life. I can't wait for you to hear from him, but before we get there, I want to quickly share a minimalist moment and a resource with you this week. I don't think I've officially announced it on the podcast, but if you've been following along with my personal social media or you joined Tracy and I for the live a few weeks ago, you'll know that my family and I have moved. That said, we have more outdoor space and with that has come quite a few ticks. So I was thrilled to discover Anthos Botanica. The product is actually made local in Columbus. It's DEET-free, plant-based, and it smells like lemon eucalyptus. This is not a sponsored advertisement for the brand. I just actually really love how it smells, and I'm always happy to support women-owned businesses, local businesses, so I was really thrilled again to find this product, Anthos Botanica. And I'll be sure to link it in the show notes if anyone's interested. And then for a quick minimalist moment of the week, consider this your reminder to live a more connected, intentional life. But I just got back from an annual girls trip that I take every November with my sister, cousin, and sister-in-law. It's something, regardless of four very different schedules, that we try to prioritize every fall. And as you'll hear John reiterate in this conversation today, being connected to one another is so important for our well-being, for our mental health, for loneliness. If you're someone that has been neglecting your friendships because you're too busy or you can't find a babysitter or maybe it's not in the budget, maybe your spouse is hesitant to let you take a whole weekend... Something that's been helpful in our household is to allow both my husband and myself to get that break every fall. Again, it's nothing extravagant. Even spending an entire day at a friend's house or together out in nature would be incredibly rejuvenating. So if you feel like your friendships haven't been something that you've been prioritizing as of lately, take this as your sign to call someone, get something on the calendar. Even after the holidays, when we go into that slump after Christmas and New Year's, have something on the calendar for January or February. As they say, your future self will thank you and likely so will your friends. All right, with that, let's get into this conversation with John Deloney. 
What's up? Hey, we're getting it done. Are you all moved in? Um, you can kind of see no. <laughs> <laughs> but it's okay because I'm a minimalist, so I shouldn't be filling all the spaces, right? That's right. You should have only empty shelves around you. That's fantastic. <laughs> so good. No, I do. I haven't filled most of the spots, but it's been it's been chaotic. Moving with every kid you add is it gets harder. Yes, I think everything. It's yes. been a lot, but it's good. Dude, that's awesome, man. Well, congratulations. Thanks. Yeah. I already hit record. Okay, great. I wrote down questions, but I do want to have, I just want to see where this goes. So we are going to be talking about your new book today, which I see you have behind you. It's called Building a Non-Anxious Life. When I was reading this, I didn't consider myself to be an anxious person, but I feel like we may have anxiety and being anxious defined wrong as a society. So I'll let you define that here in a minute, but why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself and then we'll get into that question. Yeah, I'm John, and I live here in Nashville with my wife and my two kids and some dogs and a bunch of chickens and whatever else we got. Um, and I've worked in universities for about 20 years, working with college students and their parents, um, helping students when the wheels have just fallen off and as a nerd professor. And then I transitioned to this wild new world of podcasting and having a radio show and all that kind of stuff. So it's been it's been a wild move, man, but it's been a blast. And like I said, you have this new book. Did you feel like this originated from struggles in your own life or was it something more that you were seeing? It was both. I mean, 20 years ago, working with college students, you were trying to help in very different ways, right? You're trying to keep kids from, you know, bringing drugs into the residence halls. And over the last 20 years, it's shifted to trying to keep students alive and trying to keep students from melting down or ending up in psych wards. And so it's been a significant shift just in human behavior. And not only that, their parents, right? Like walking alongside parents was very, very different in the end of my time there than it was at the beginning. And also did work with police departments, like going to do crisis response, doing death notifications and things with families who just lost everything. So yeah, I saw it happening. And then my body tried to get my attention for years and I kept hammering through and hammering through and hammering through trying to achieve my way to being loved. And it finally just said, dude, I quit. And so, yeah, it's something I've both experienced acutely and then experienced walking alongside um, countless others. So it's both and. Absolutely. I've always kind of questioned what anxiety is for people when people just you kind of talk about it, it becomes an identity for people. And I've never related to that necessarily. But I will say in adding things to my schedule, my body was sending me these alarms that I didn't realize like, hey, that's actually you're living in a constant state of anxiousness. And you've never defined it that way. So how would you define anxiety? And maybe a lot of us are struggling, we don't even realize. Yeah, I used to um, be a nerd, like try to hold the fort down on like anxiety is just a clinical diagnostic. Then you can only be you can only use that word if fill in the blank, fill in the blank. I I just have kind of moved past that. Uh, Anxiety is a word we use for stress, for nervous, for frustrated, for what. So it's become part of our cultural vernacular. Um, I. (laughs) I think if I was to define what is anxiety, it's your body trying to get your attention that you're not safe. That's what it is. Or that it is detected that you are not in control of your life or your body is trying to get your attention and say what we're doing is not sustainable. It sees it's forecasting a train wreck and it's trying to get your attention right now. And it doesn't always tell the truth and doesn't always do a great job of it, but that's what it's trying to do. It's trying to, trying to help you out when, uh, be a, uh, 
an alarm system when you don't see see it coming. And so I think we have a culture telling us uh, you you can you can especially good grief, especially moms. Um, you can do all of this. And by the way, if you need somebody else, that's kind of, you kind of need to flex up. This is the 21st century, mom. You don't need anybody else. You can do this. You can have all the kids. You can have all the businesses. You can um, have the perfect, you know, physical um, attributes. You can have everything is, is perfect and it's all good. And what I'm seeing all across the country, especially with moms, especially with um, high achieving men, is their bodies are saying, yeah, we quit. We're out. You can't do that. You can't, everything comes at a cost. And so, um, it's a, it's a tough reckoning. I think we're all, we're all facing because we were just all told we can do it all and have it all, all at the same time. And I just don't think that's true. You have a quote in your book. It says, we've been convinced freedom is doing all the things. And I recently spoke with near I all, and he wrote the book indistractable. Mm -hmm. And he was like, you can have all the things, but not at the same time. Yes. I can relate to that and trying to fit it all in. And then it, your body, if you don't get sick, I don't know, you just start to have this weight that we always have. Yeah. And I think he's, I mean, he's exactly right. You can go make a million dollars and you're not going to be able to go to all the t-ball games. It will come at a cost. You can start a third business and a fourth business, and it's going to cost you your sex life. It's going to cost you your intimate time. It's going to cost you eye contact and reading with your kids at night. All these things have a trade-off and it's not necessarily a bad trade-off. I think where we get in trouble and what the the science literature would tell us about anxiety is doing hard things. Your body doesn't make you anxious when you have to do hard stuff. It doesn't make you anxious when you have a lot going on. That's not what anxiety is. Anxiety is this is going to get you killed because you're not prepared or you are not in the driver's seat of your own life. Somebody else is telling you what to do and how to do it. So a good example is my first book came out, I was unprepared. I didn't understand the onslaught of what was about to happen with travel, with media, with six, I mean, 5.15 AM media hits here. And then speaking events at night, I, I was just unprepared. And at the end of three months, my marriage was in tatters. My kids were like, who's this guy? I was just a zombie. This next book, I, I knew it was coming. So my wife and I in June began to talk about, Hey, what do we have to do? What's going to have to be true for these things that we want our house to feel like. And what's simply, what are we going to cash out on in August, September, October, November, when you're on the road and selling this book. And so it's been magic. It's been wonderful. Not because our life hasn't changed significantly. It has, but we were ready for it. We planned for it. We prepared for it. And so I haven't been anxious one time. I've been really tired. Um, I missed a flight. I mean, that kind of stuff, but I've never been anxious one time. The last time I was a zombie, right? So I think it has to do with getting in the driver's seat of your own life and being intentional about, I want to do this thing and it's going to cost me this thing. I'm someone that when I listen to something, I'm like, yes, I'm going to dive in. I'm going to do it right now. A complete life overhaul. But I also want to be realistic because every time I've tried to do that, I can sustain it for a little bit, but it doesn't sustain long term. So you have six daily choices, these different categories. I kind of want you just to go through them, not in great detail, but just mention what the six are. And then at the end of that, we can talk about some practicals that women can take away with them. Um, so I think before the six categories, here's, the, here's my proposition. Okay. What if your anxiety is telling you the truth? Mm. What if your ADHD and your OCD and your depression, what if they were telling you the truth? What if you're not broken 
and your body's simply trying to do the best it can to keep you alive in the environment it's found itself in. And that environment includes childhood abuse. That environment includes um, the absurd um, ecosystem of guilt that moms are thrown into. The it, it's the you have to do it all, and you get no help from your partner. All those things. Your body. What if you're? What if it's telling the truth? So if it's telling the truth, then an- not being anxious isn't the goal, because I want my body to sound the smoke. Sound the smoke detector when there's a fire in the kitchen. The proposition is: What if we created a life? that wasn't so anxious so that our bodies didn't have to get our attention all the time. And so when I went that route, um, it really distilled down into six, six buckets, like a, like a path, if you are a wheel and it was, you have to choose reality. Your body is always solving for reality, whether you are or not. What do I mean by that? You might be sitting next to your husband on a, on a couch scrolling Instagram, and he's looking up architectural plans for a house that y'all are never going to build and you're close and your body says, awesome. Or my marriage is fine. Your body knows this thing's hanging on by a thread and it will try to get your attention. And it will let you know that your, your body knows that your kids don't want to be around you, even though you're like, oh, just teenagers. Your body knows, right? So your body knows that you're in $150,000 in debt and you're like, no, it's fine. This is a nice car. So you have to choose reality. What's the state of things? What's the state of my health? Am I okay? Am I overweight to the point that I'm not safe anymore and I got to deal with that? What is reality? The second one is you have to choose um, health and healing. And we just have to be honest. And I I don't know how health and healing became something that we're just not allowed to talk about anymore, but I just think it's disingenuous. What is the state of your health? Have you dealt with those childhood traumas? Have you dealt with some of these harder things like our we have to deal with the realities there. We got to move our bodies. We have to sleep, those kind of things. The next one is you have to choose connection. We've created the loneliest generation in human history, um, particularly moms trying to figure this out. They have a lot of communication on their cell phones and or electronic communication, and their bodies are screaming at them for connected adult relationships. And so um, we, we try to outsource that. And I know it's, it's just what a mom with three kids wants to hear. Like, oh, I have to add another thing to go hang out with my friends. What I would say is um, that's like telling a runner, a runner looking at me halfway through a marathon. He's like, oh, I have to breathe every step. And I go, yes, that's the only way you're going to finish this marathon is to have other people in your corner. So you have to, we have to decide we're going to choose um, connection. The other one is choose freedom and not like uh, American flag underoos and like an eagle, like, oh, no, that's not what I mean. When I say choose freedom, I'm talking about clutter. I'm talking about our calendars. I'm talking about if your body knows, if your amygdala knows that you owe $100,000 in student loans and cars and that you have a mortgage of 400,000 bucks, that means your body knows way deep down in your nervous system that if you get fired, you lose your house, you lose your car, you lose your ability to feed your family. Or if your husband gets fired, however you are got it divvied up. And so your body would be failing you if you owe people money, if it let you sleep all night. It would fa- be failing you if it let you have deep, connected, intimate moments with your romantic partner because it's not time for sex. It's time for not dying. We are at code red here, right? And we have made owing people money just a way of being. And so when I say something like that, it's hard. It took me and my wife 15 years. 15 years of working so that we don't owe anybody any money. Um, but that was the trajectory because we were choosing freedom. And when my body knows, Hey, we're safe. If I get fired today, I'd be in a bad mood. It would suck. It'd hurt my feelings. I'd be angry, but nobody's coming to take our house. 
you, your body goes whoosh and it settles in, right? The next one is um, choosing mindfulness. And that's just simply instead of being reactive and unintentional, just doing the next thing that the next person told us to do. It's about intentionality and it's a, being aware and curious, right? Instead of judgmental. And the last one is choosing belief. We have overnight created these very untethered lives and we are able to push a button on our cell phone and food shows up and we're able to turn a knob and water comes into our house, which is a, those are problems that humans have been trying to solve for millennia. And we've gotten really arrogant about our place in the universe and our bodies know that we can't hold up the universe. And so when I say choose belief, um, my family and I are Christian, but I'm not subscribing a, or prescribing a religious belief as much as I'm saying, you have to take a need of something bigger than you, a higher power, something bigger that you're in service to because your body is not designed to hold up the world. And so those six things, they happen on a loop and some days they're better than others. And some days you feel great. And for most of us, a couple of those are really easy. And a couple of those are like, wow, those are tough. And a couple of those are like, dude, I'm never doing that's impossible. Um, but when you get those things kind of a grasp on those things in some shape, form or fashion, your body doesn't have to sound the alarms 24, seven, 365. And then when you get the call that, Hey, mom's got cancer. Hey, um, husband or wife just lost the job. Um, kids sick. Then you've got this magical thing that we don't have in America and it's called margin, financial margin, time margin, clutter margin. We have space to then respond to the hard realities that is life. And this is a non-anxious life. It's not a perfect life. It's not a stress-free life. It's not a nothing ever bad ever happens life. It's a life where your body works for you, not against you. Mm-hmm. In hearing all of those six areas, it's hard for people to know where to start, especially if you feel buried, if you feel buried by the things that you've taken on. So something that I did after I finished your book, if you end it with the hard path and you talk about noticing what's in our control and what's outside of our control. So what I ended up doing is I wrote down in my control, outside of my control. I'm a visual person. I needed to actually write those things down. And I would suggest to people that don't know where to start in those six areas, what is something in your control that relates to those areas? And that's a place that you can start because you're right. It's not going to happen overnight. I don't know. For me, connection is one of the most important things that I can do for myself. Uh, Dude, I cannot think of a better way to start than writing that stuff down. Just looking at it and saying, okay, reality, connection, freedom, mindfulness. What's the state of my health and belief and begin writing those things down. What can I control? And some of this, like they, they start working together synergistically. And here's an example. I know of a, of a couple and they're both school teachers. They both make about 40,000 bucks. So their household income is 80 grand and they had student loans and they had a mortgage and all that. What they decided to do is to choose reality. This is the jobs we have chosen. And if you're a teacher, often, you know, that that job chose you, Right. And so this is what we're going to make. They hand you a spreadsheet and say, here's what we're going to make for the next 40 years. And so they made peace with a Corolla life. We're going to drive used Corollas. That's, that's who we're going to be. And so they didn't sit there and stare at the Yukon that they can't afford yet or take out a payment they can barely make. They just made peace with it. And they made peace. Hey, we would love to live in this neighborhood, in this house. That's, that's not the world we chose. We chose this. And so we're going to live in a small house and our kids are going to be great. And they don't owe anybody anything. They chose freedom and they chose freedom by choosing reality. And so I love what you have to say. That couple, when we were talking about the interest and rates all going to inflation, they really 
they knew intellectually what we were talking about, but they didn't understand what we were talking about because they had no, they could care less about interest rates because they had chosen years ago to not own anybody any money and they don't borrow money. So it's, 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 it's a peaceful way of living. It got really annoying at the grocery store because eggs got super expensive, but it was really annoying. It wasn't catastrophic. Right. And that's what, that's what we're looking at. And so write down what you can control for me. Um, I've had to reach out to a couple of people. You know why? My books for my whole life as an academic nerd, my certificates, my little trophies, my little plaques, my guitars, because I always wanted to be a punk rock guitarist when I was a kid. Those things, unbeknownst to me, became my identity. And I live a chaotic, cluttered environmental life. It's a madhouse. And dude, I can, I know what to say when someone's um, in an acute suicidal moment. I know what to say when someone's struggling with mental health disorders. I sat in my garage and my, like where I have a little workshop done. I didn't know where to start. It was terrifying to me. And every time I got some books off the shelf, I'd be like, no, you're going to read this. Oh, you're seriously not going to read this. How can you? And these things started yelling at me and talking to me. It was devastating. I didn't know where to start. And so it really became, I got to write this down. Like I'm not my books. I'm no one's going to come down here and think I'm any smarter, or any dumber. I had to really address some of those hard things. It was good. I'm curious to know what your wife's life was when you were feeling really anxious because not to necessarily put words in her mouth, but I feel like my husband and I are a bit of a yin and yang. And sometimes when he's anxious, I'm the one that's more chilled out and vice versa. So how was that for you guys? Um, it was really tough. Um, she started, she, she says I was like being married to a taser and I was excitable and I was a lot and I always had a lot of ideas and a lot of thoughts and a lot of, Hey, we should try this. We should do this. And, um, she didn't know, she just went to bed at nine o'clock. She goes to bed early and she didn't know what to do with a guy that would lay in bed from nine until midnight and then get up and walk around the house trying to worry about bills until two. She didn't know what to do. And so in a protective measure without meaning to, she started quietly creating a safe life for her and for our, our son when he was really little. And I felt that I felt her pull away, which made me more anxious and made me, you know, that's that connection piece. I felt it pulling away. And, um, but she, she had to become self-protective and over the, over time, as I learned to choose reality, what do you need from me? When you feel me spinning out, when you run, when you move, it makes my alarm sound louder. If you see me starting to spin out, cause you know me better than I do sometimes. Can you just put your hand on my arm? Can you just hold my hand? Can you move into it? And that was hard for her because of her background. And so she's had to practice walking into that storm, feeling like she's about to get electrocuted by the taser and suddenly finding it doesn't electrocute, right? And I have to learn to let her. And so we've had to be very clear about two important things. What do you want and what do you need? I got to say those things out loud. And that's been transformative for us. I really appreciated you talking about the preparation, but also in communicating Hey, I have this season coming up. It's going to probably look like this so that we don't fall back into bad patterns. This is what we should do to plan and prepare. I think that not every couple is like that. So it might be out of your comfort zone. But again, I think that goes back to, again, choosing your hard. This is going to be hard either way. So let's plan and prepare together in the best that way that we can. Yeah, I learned um, I learned this about five years ago. One of the best aphrodisiacs in my home is a Sunday night uh, calendar planning. Hey, what, here's what this week looks like. And where, what, when do you have dinners out, John, when are you on the road? When can you take the kids to school here? Can you pick them up here? And just having that time together, sometimes it's 30 minutes, sometimes it's an hour and a half. And 
starting to have those conversations. We already have our, we had our holiday plans back in August because we said, we're not going to travel. We're not going to do this. We are going to do this. And so just having that clarity, having the email sent to the family, here's what we're doing. Here's what we're not doing for holidays. Here's where y'all are invited. Here's where you're not invited. Just about having boundaries. Dude, it has transformed my home. And it doesn't mean we don't fight. doesn't mean we don't argue. doesn't mean I'll get my feelings hurt because I'm not going to that. I want you to go to this. I'm not doing that. It sounds dumb. But that once a week we sit down and I say, how can I love you this week? And she says, how can I love you this week? And what do we both have going on this week? It just sets the table for us to be on the same team, which is, which is incredible. I thought that was a hot take in your book of saying, hey, you can actually tell your relatives no, we can't make every holiday event that you have planned for us. Like we are our own unit and we can say no. Cause I talk about that with gift giving and decluttering. And if someone gives you a gift you don't want, how do you handle it? Can you set the boundaries beforehand? So I appreciated that take in your book as well. Well, and I'll take somebody's gift. I'm not going to keep it. Yeah, um, exactly. I don't have an obligation for the next 40 years. Um, but I also, I know I, I've, I've been guilty of rejecting things, being like, I'm not taking that. <laughs> and somebody was thoughtful. And, and so that hurt somebody, right? And so I, I don't want to, I don't want to be dismissive or rude. Um, at the same time, if I have a minimalist friend, like I've got several folks who like in that community, I might, if I'm buying them a Christmas gift, I might get them a massage instead of like, you know, a, toys or something. So um, I guess I don't buy adults toys, but you know what I mean? Like I give them an experience or something like that. So um, yeah, I, I get to decide what happens in my life. That's autonomy. That's agency. And that is a recipe for your body to go. All right. John's driving, right? All right. She's driving. So now we're good to go. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Well, where can listeners grab a copy of your book and connect with you online if they want to do so? Um, you can buy it at any store now at Target and Barnes Noble and all the stores, or you can get on Amazon or go to johndeloney.com. You can pick it up anywhere. And um, I'm really, really grateful for your hospitality. I know you are in a lot of transition right now, so it makes my heart feel good that you had me on. I'm grateful. Oh, yeah. Thank you. I, you have been so impactful to me, even just through social media, those little reels, just a little snippet has been so helpful. So I appreciate what you're doing too. But I always end my show in this way. I'm not going to let you go quite yet. I always ask my guest two questions. And the first one is, what's been a beneficial resource in your life that you want to share with the listeners? Beneficial resource that I want to share. Golly. Um, I would say Michael Easter's work. Um, he wrote the book called the comfort crisis, which I think is a book I've finished the book and I, I blacked out a few F words and I handed it to my son and said, you will read this. This is your next book. And he was 12 at the time and he burned through it. And so that's given us a lot of things to talk about. Um, but that's been a great resource for me. Oh, I've got one other resource. that's really important. If, um, I work here at, at Ramsey solutions, if you're considering like, that sounds insane to not owe anybody any money, you can check out Financial Peace University, which is a course that millions and millions, I think 10 million people have gone through it. And it's just a step-by-step -step course on how to kind of get out of the matrix and stop owing people money. And that's a pretty remarkable resource as well. My wife and I went through it years and years and years ago, and it's just so powerful. Simple, counterintuitive, and very powerful. Yeah, I did that in my early 20s, and that was extremely helpful as well, right about the time I was discovering minimalism. So I'll put that in the show notes for listeners. And then my last question, and then I'll let you go, is what is something you can't stop talking about? Oh, my gosh. Um, <laughs> if you ask my wife, I can't stop talking about most things. Yeah. Um, I can't stop talking about... 
Well, Green Day is going back on tour, so I'm pretty excited about that. Um, I can't stop talking. Good grief. So many things are coming to mind right now. That's okay. Just whatever's coming to mind. I will say this. I can't stop talking about the power of my weekly breakfast. I have a 13-year-old and a 7-year-old, and we go together. Um, And I can't stop talking about the downstream benefits of one hour in a not five-star restaurant, what that dividend has paid off over the last months and years that we've done that. I also keep can't keep talking about how much my marriage has improved, not with big supernova things, but with tiny touch points of communication that we build into our week. And it's transformed my marriage in pretty profound ways. And I can't stop talking about how important it is to not have secrets in my marriage and just come out and say the thing. And um, whether that's a thing I'm into, a thing that I think would be fun for us, or whatever the secret you have, a thing that happened, um, a story that I'm telling myself, just deciding I'm not going to live with secrets anymore because secrets will kill me and it'll destroy my marriage. And so I can't stop talking about that because it's been so profound for us. Just being direct and honest with one another. I mean, that's who you chose to be with. So it's, we should feel comfortable sharing. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Well, I appreciate you joining me. I know we're on a slight delay here, um, but I appreciate you coming back on and joining me today. Thank you for having me. I'm super grateful for your hospitality. You're awesome. What did you think of the episode? I hope you enjoyed the conversation. To learn more about today's guest, including links, resources related to everything discussed today, visit the episode page at minimalistmomspodcast.com, where you can find the entire podcast archive, as well as my book, Minimalist Moms Living and Parenting with Simplicity, or other ways to connect or work with me online. If you'd like to support the podcast, the easiest and most impactful thing you can do is subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spotify, or YouTube, or wherever you listen to podcasts, and leave a rating or review of your favorite episode. Lastly, sharing the show or your favorite episode with friends on social media is very helpful and will encourage others on their journey to think more and do with less.